It's good to see y'all in the house of the Lord today. If you have your Bibles, I hope you do. Turn to the second chapter of Luke. Luke, the second chapter. We're just going to read one verse. And this is going to be a very familiar verse to you. Luke, the second chapter. I want you to look in verse 49. Y'all there? Amen? Luke, the second chapter, verse 49. And He, Jesus, said unto them, Joseph and Mary, How is it that ye sought Me? Wist ye not, or did you not know that I must be about My Father's business? Now, I want you to hone in on my father's business. Because today, I want to visit with you for a few minutes about the family business. So keep your Bibles open there. and We will be looking at some other verses of Scripture elsewhere here after a little bit. But you know, it, it was just what? Two months ago that, that we gathered in this very sanctuary to celebrate the Lord, the birth of our Lord and Savior. You know, and around Christmas, there's all sorts of special events. There's, there's uh, candlelight services and, and live nativity scenes and Christmas pageant and Christmas music. And, you know, we, we like to advent candles here and all those, all those neat things. But then, it all comes to a head when we gather together in the sanctuary and we have that Christmas Sunday worship experience. Now, here we are just two months down the road, and believe it or not, in this verse that we just read, Jesus is already 12 years old. Now, you know, in reality... Life really does go by just that fast, doesn't it? Or, or it seems like it does. You know, it seems like just yesterday, me and Lori got married. And here it is, however many years later, long time. And our oldest daughter's 19 years old. She'll graduate from college next spring. Renee, who I used to hold in one arm, is already 12 years of age. The same age Jesus was in this story. So it's hard to believe, you know, it, we, we can't help but wonder every now and then, where did time go? And we think about kids and grandkids and great-grandkids, and we think how quickly they grow up. You know, they, they start out as these cute little babies that you can hold in, in one hand, and before you know it, they're 12. And their original cuteness has somewhat subdued, and, and they have begun to wear off. And, you know, 12-year-old kids, kind of like my 12-year-old daughter, are just liable to speak their mind even to their parents. 
So, would it surprise you to learn that Jesus was no different? None whatsoever. You know, babies grow up and they start taking on their own identity and, you know, they want to, to, to break free from their parents' grasp. All of us can remember when our kids were small and we would want to help them. And what was those infamous words? Me do myself. You see, it just little bitty kids were already trying to break free, wanting to do their own thing. And in most society, believe it or not, that begins around age 12. And, and while we have this long period of preparation that we call adolescence, a lot of the ancient societies lacked that period of time in the child's life. You know, basically you went from childhood to adulthood. Even today, probably all of us are familiar with bar mitzvah. You know, bar mitzvah is a very uh, uh, solemn ceremony held in the synagogue. It's generally, usually, on a Saturday morning. And what it is for is to admit into the adulthood a member of the Jewish community, a 13-year-old boy who has completed a study in Judaism. But here talking about Jesus, we just don't know a whole lot about Jesus and His growing up process. You know, the, the Gospels just don't have a lot in them. They're kind of silent about the growing up years. And Matthew is, is one of the only a gospel that, that even talks about the birth narrative. And, and he is silent between the, the birth of Jesus and Jesus' baptism. I want you to look in verse 51 there in Luke chapter 2. Look in verse 51. This takes place shortly after Jesus is found. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. But you know, it says there, And he went down with them, Joseph and Mary, and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. What we have before us in this text this evening is the lone picture of Jesus growing up years. And it's just one snapshot. That, that's all we get. And this picture comes from a trip where the family travels south in a caravan for the annual Passover ceremony. For the celebration. Jesus is 12. And they travel from Nazareth to Jerusalem. And on the way home after the celebration. About a day into the trip. Joseph and Mary realize they have forgotten Jesus. Now that sort of sounds odd to us. Doesn't it? in some way. If that happened nowadays, we would probably report a parent like that to Child Protective Services. But there might have been a time or two when I left one of my kids I forgot them. But maybe you did the same thing. I, I, I don't know. But upon returning to Jerusalem, these frantic parents stumble onto the young Jesus and it took them three days to find him after they got back. And I can only imagine how frightening that was. You think about when you had children 
and they were missing and you couldn't find them, you would get a little upset. And I'm sure that's where Mary and Joseph was. But they find their son, and where is Jesus? He's sitting in the temple, and He's talking theology with the teachers of the day. And everyone is kind of amazed at the understanding that Jesus has of the Scriptures. Jesus was one of those children that even though He was only 12 years old, He was very mature for His age. Now, something that might be worth noting, and I'm going to put this in here just real quick, is that, that Jesus ends His teaching ministry in these same precincts, temple precincts. But His message 20 years later down the road is not as well received at all as it was when He was 12. So when... The parents confront Jesus, getting back to our text there in verse 49. He seems rather surprised that they're worried about Him. As He saw it, they should have expected Him to be about His Father's business. Now, if you kind of read between the lines there in verse 49, just a little bit, it would appear that the way Jesus talks to His parents is not in a pleasant tone. In other words, it almost seems like He's talking back to His parents. Uh, Maybe He thinks that they have embarrassed Him in front of His new friends. You, You have to remember what it was like to be 12 years old. And, and, you know, at 12 years old, if you were anything like me, you thought you had all the answers to all the situations, all the questions, and, and so, you know, you thought you had it made. And we might have all been like that. But you notice what Jesus says, and kind of putting it in simple terms there in verse 49, He's like, why are you looking for me? Don't you know that I need to be about my Father's business. And that's kind of interesting when you really look at it. Here's why. Because Jesus had two roles that He was playing out in His life just as we are. Just as we do. You know, He he was a son, but He's about His Father's business. He's about the family business But yet, he's a son at the same time. So it looks like that there seems to be a certain amount of of tension between Jesus' responsibilities to his mom and dad on one hand and, you know, he was looking at his heavenly father from a different perspective. You know, I would suggest that we are the same as Jesus. We also have two roles for which we live in our life. Now, I want you to think about something here. When you introduce yourself to someone, what do you normally do? The first thing you do is tell them what your name is. But then, generally... 
through the conversation, we will bring up what we did. If we were a lawyer, or a doctor, or a librarian, or a teacher, or a businessman, or whatever. You know, it's just those things that we have a tendency to do. We tell people our occupation. And the reason I'm telling you that is this. But we have a vocation that is bigger than that, that helps people understand who we are. And if we have the opportunity, and I hope we do this, we want to share with them, oh, my real passion is a life to serve Jesus Christ. But how often do we do that? How often when we meet somebody new, we can talk about everything under the shining sun except my life is to serve Jesus Christ. But what Jesus is saying here, I'm about my Father's business. I'm about another vocation that's not just about being a son. The Bible tells us in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verse 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. I had a preacher friend some years ago. You know, preachers love to talk. Preachers have the habit of talking and not being able to shut up. But this preacher friend of mine, he loved to talk and he loved to be involved in conversation. And it didn't matter if he was on an airplane sitting beside a complete stranger or in the doctor's office, he would always ask him a very simple question. What do you do? And they would say, well, like, I'm a lawyer, or I'm an engineer, something along those lines, and he would say, oh, me too. And then, he would try to work whatever they were into the conversation and bring the gospel of Jesus Christ into it. For instance, he would sit down next to Curtis here. What do you do? Oh, I'm a lawyer. Oh, I am too. Oh, you are? Yeah. I'm on the defense side. I defend the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or he'll sit down next to somebody. What do you do? Oh, I'm an engineer. Oh, I am too. Isn't that a small coincidence? What kind of engineer are you? Well, engineers fix things. And I, you know, what does he work in the conversation? Your life needs fixed. And the only way your life can be fixed is through Jesus Christ. Let me tell you about it. Do we do that? You see how simple it could be if, if we would just 
do that thing. You know, and Jesus was about his father's business. And, and this, this, this preacher friend of mine was the same way. He continually tied the idea of occupation with vocation. And, and, and you know, I would suggest there's a way in which we need to view ourselves primarily in our identity as being part of our father's business. Carrying on the family business that God established. Now we don't know how the conversation went between Jesus and his parents when they found him. But we know in the end he returned home with his parents. You notice in verse 52 of of chapter 2, Luke says, He grew in wisdom and stature and in both divine and human favor. You know, the next time we see Jesus in the gospel, he's an adult. He has come to John to be baptized. Not because he needed the forgiveness of sin, but because he just needs to be commissioned to take up his life's work and to join the family business. You know, in ancient times, this this time that we're talking about with Jesus, if you was born into a family and you were a male child, nine times out of ten, you did not choose a career. Whatever your dad did, that's what you did. We know that Jesus' dad, Joseph, was a carpenter. And so that's what people expected Jesus to do, was to go into the field of carpentry and and be a builder like his dad. You know, I'm kind of glad that things have changed because my dad was in the U.S. Navy in World War II, and, and he had five boys, and none of us followed him into the military. I remember my, my, one of my brothers wanted to join the army, and my dad absolutely pitched a hissy fit. You don't throw fits, Roy. You pitch hissy fits. Be careful now. But I mean, my dad absolutely threw a shoe because he wanted to go into the army. You, well, I can't say what my dad said. That Navy language comes out. But he said, you, you want to join the military, you can go into the Navy. But you're not going into the army. And I tell you that to say this. You know, parents influence the career choices of their their children, whether it is intentionally, whether it is inadvertently. And, and it can be a positive thing. It can be a negative thing. But, you know, as children grow up, they start thinking more seriously about what they want to do when they grow up. And so as parents, we can either instill a, 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 a child, a teenager to explore a very diverse set of potentials, you know, different occupations, or to just stay with the path that the parents would approve of. Well, you know, it's no surprise that we see people to this day that are third or fourth generation somethings. Moi, I'm third generation. My children are fourth generation, farming and ranching. 
been on the same piece of property for over a hundred years. That's pretty special to me. But, but you see, the, the impact, the family background can have a lot of, of effect, especially in large successful families. And, and, you know, children get that inside glimpse into what mom and dad's doing. And so it makes them easier to get into, the in, into that industry. Well, that's, I tell you all that to say this. That's exactly what was transpiring in Jesus' life. You know, we have no glimpse of Jesus from the age 12 until he's 30. Now, we know, as I said, Joseph was a carpenter. The Bible tells us in Matthew 13, 55, is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And so Jesus followed that line of work. In Mark, the 6th chapter, verse 3, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judah and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? Jesus told his parents in the temple, I'm tending to my father's business. He wasn't talking about teaching or learning how to build things or, or, or to uh, lay rock. He was talking about theology. In a sense, he was redefining, if you will, his family boundaries. And while he returned home with his parents, and Luke says that he was obedient to them, in the course of that time, what Jesus is doing, you notice what it said up there, where was it? In verse 52, he grew in wisdom and stature. So in that period of time, he both discovers a different vocation and a different sense of family. In other words, Jesus is... Uh, history or have you want to say that of his family was not going to be uh, lineage but it was going to be through faith. Luke 8.21 says this, But he answered and said to them, My mother and my brothers are these who hear the Word of God and do it. So instead of Joseph being Jesus is dad. God would be his father. And therefore his calling was to carry on the family business. In the Gospel of John, the 14th chapter, verse 12, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater work than these shall he do. In other words, what Jesus is saying there is this. I want you to believe in the Word that I sent you, and I want you to do greater things. You remember how I told you all two, three weeks ago, whatever it was, how one generation accomplishes so much, but then the next generation can do bigger and better and greater works. Well, that's what Jesus is saying there in the 14th chapter of, of, of John. We can do greater works. Why? Because, uh, you know, we, we can grow the business. 
And there's another word that comes into play here in this text that I think we need to look at a little bit. And what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. You notice I pointed out in those, those couple of verses after verse 49, it says that, that Jesus went home with His parents living there in Nazareth and He grew strong and He filled with wisdom and the favor of God was upon Him. And then I think that's verse 51. And then in verse 52, we see that Jesus... Uh, increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. In other words, those two verses kind of put parentheses around the conversation that Jesus had with mom and dad there in verse 49. So, so what does that mean? What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? Well, I turn to a book. Uh, this is a book by Philip Clayton. And he writes this, and this is a quote. I want to read this so, so I don't mess it up. This is what Philip Clayton says in his book. In recent years, Christian churches have been losing the battle of significance. Did you get that? We are losing the battle of significance. Why? If you're anything like me, that's the question I have to ask. When I hear something that kind of perplexes me, I have to say, why? And you know why it is? Because we don't know the story very well. Listen to me now. I'm saying we have trouble living our lives from that perspective. Many Christians find it difficult to talk about their faith and the difference that it makes in their lives. We struggle with that. You know, for us to bear witness to someone about the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God. You know, what Jesus Christ accomplished is very difficult because we're, we're not certain of our place of God's vision in this world. Now here's what Clayton suggests we do. Clayton suggests that we need a robust theology. We need one that is reasonable. One that is inclusive. One that is engaging. And one that is rooted in biblical narrative. In order to gain that confidence, what do we need to do? We need to do exactly what Jesus did and we need to grow in wisdom. Grow in nature and have that, that, that wisdom of God, that divine favor of God upon us. How do we do that? That comes from studying the Bible, folks. Amen. That comes from, from, from you know, 
uh, sharing with each other. And once we do that and we gain that experience, then we can discover what God vision for us is in the kingdom of God. And we can do our job, which is carrying on the family business. And what was Jesus' family business? To bring salvation to every inhabitant on the face of the earth. Carry on the family business. You know, what happens to a family business is nobody picks it up and runs it. Ceases to exist, doesn't it? Now think about that. That should tell us something, folks. You know, Jesus had a sense of vision. And it was one that, that He developed. One that, that He grew in. In wisdom and stature. And I want you to think about this. You know, God could have entered into the world any way that He saw fit, couldn't He? In other words, He could have descended from heaven on a cloud in the prime of manhood, riding a fiery stallion, leading a whole battalion of, of, of soldiers in battle. But He didn't. He could have teleported Himself right into the middle of the desert and built up the church as a one-man show without any help from anyone. But He didn't. God chose to enter this world by becoming part of a family and sharing a mission with them. He chose a mother to nurse Him. He chose a father to provide for him, to protect him. He chose aunts and uncles to proclaim the message even before Jesus was born. He chose a cousin, a lifelong friend, to blaze the path before him, to cry out in the wilderness and say, Make straight the path of the Lord. You see, his cousin John did everything that Jesus did. How? Because he could do that because Jesus chose to work through him. Just like Jesus chooses to work through us. You know, I, I, I'm sure that if I would ask any of, one, any one of y'all here today, you would admit that having a family is not an easy thing. It's difficult. Why? Because it means that we have to be vulnerable. It means that at some point, we're going to suffer terrible loss. It means that every day you will have to pour yourself out your very life for those who love. But it also means that you are called to 
participate in a reality far greater than the sum of its parts. Families are united by what? A shared story. A shared faith. A shared mission that sees us through darkness. It sees us through our darkest hours when, when we are weary unto death. That's what family does. And now what's transpiring, just like God chose His Son and used His Son that way, God is calling us to do the same thing. God is calling us to be part of His family. You see, as I said earlier, He could have saved the world any way He wanted to. Any way He saw fit. He could still come on the cloud and make the church into a one-man show. But He doesn't. And that ought to mean something to us. That ought to tell us something. God chose to do His work to save people through you and me. Not because we're righteous, not because we're blameless before God, because none of us are. Not now, not tomorrow, not next week. But because we're His family. We share His mission. We share His story. We share in that faith. We share His DNA. The thing is, we've got to make up our minds if we want to carry on the business. Pretty easy question. And think about this. There's no application to fill out. There's no interview required. No background check. They couldn't get... God couldn't give a rip about your credit rating. You know, everything nowadays your credit rating. I feel blessed. I ain't got one. Don't laugh. That ain't a good thing, folks. Trust me. There's no contracts to renew. No pink slips. No worrying about getting laid off from a job. So my question to you is, do you want to be a part of the family business? Do you want to carry on the family business? And think about this, the benefits are out of this world. So that's what my challenge to you today is. Do you want to pick up and carry on and help the business to prosper and grow? Or do we want to sit idly by and watch it deteriorate even more than it has up to this point in history? Let's become part of the family business. Let's help it grow. Let's pray together. Father God, we just thank You for this day. The opportunity to be in Your house, Father. Father, we certainly thank You for all the benefits that You give us. The blessings that You bestow upon us. For the forgiveness of sin. Father, we thank You for Your Son. That became part of the family business. To carry on the tradition 
And now the torch has been passed to us. And it's our turn to help the family business grow and prosper. Lord, keep us every mindful of any and every opportunity to share Your business with someone. To help change lives. To make a difference. Father, I ask You Forgive us where we fail you. I ask that you continue to protect us in this very challenging time that we live, Father. Certainly, Father, we lift up all the situations going on in this whole world, especially this mess with Ukraine and Russia, Father. We lift up all the folks on our prayer list. Just ask that the need there will be met. So watch over us and care for us, Father. Bring us back at the next pointed hour. In Your Son's name we pray. Amen.